0: Welcome to our weekly recording of the service here at Bigger and Blackmount Churches. I'm Mike Fucella. I'm the minister here, and we are so glad that you could join us. It's my prayer that you will be blessed by the message this week. If you'd like to find out more about us, please do get in touch. Contact me at biggerkirk09 at gmail.com. That's biggerkirk09, all lowercase, at gmail.com. So here's the message this week. Stuart, Houston is going to come and bring us our gospel reading this morning. Stuart.
1: This morning's reading is taken from the New Testament book of Matthew. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. And this is from the New International Version. And the passage deals with the Beatitudes. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. May God add his blessing to this reading.
0: Amen. Thank you, Stuart. I love the fact that we get together on a Tuesday to look at the passage um, that we're going to be preaching on, on Sunday, and I have just gained so much from people's wisdom as they reflect on the scripture. The other day, uh, Jane was meeting with folks online and looking at last week's passage, where Jesus sits down to teach. And one of our teachers in the congregation said, I understand that. When, as a teacher, when I teach children, if you want to really connect to them, you will sit down, you will come to their level and not stand over them. Uh, this, this is the time when we would be talking to the children normally. There are none in the congregation today, but I think there are plenty online. And I want to say to the kids that this morning we are launching into the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is some famous teaching from Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. The Sermon on the Mount begins with a section that's called the Beatitudes that Stuart kindly read for us just now. Beatitude is a Latin word that means being blessed or the state of being blessed. And it has that name. It has the name beatitude because the beginning of the eight phrases in the beatitudes are all blessed are or blessed is. I was recently impressed by a five-year-old girl named Ellie who memorized all eight beatitudes only five years old, and she did this with actions. So as we kick off our study of the Beatitudes, I thought it would be a good idea for us to memorize the Beatitudes using Ellie's method. So could you stand? We'll go through it once with the words on the screen, and then we'll do it without the words, Okay. Let me try to get this right myself. I've been practicing. So it goes one. That's the first beatitude. One. Put your finger up. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Okay? So bend your finger over as if you're poor in spirit. For the kingdom of... For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Number two. Blessed are those who mourn, okay? So you've got tears running down your face. They will be comforted, okay? That's wiping away the tears, being comforted. Number three, blessed are the meek. So we make an M with our fingers. They will inherit, okay? So that's a crown. Inheritance comes with the Crowns come with an inheritance, For they will inherit the earth. Okay? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. See, that's an E. (laughs) There's an M, a crown, and an E. Number four. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Okay? Thirst. For they will be filled. Number five. Blessed are the merciful. That's someone giving something for they will receive mercy or will be shown mercy. This is my favorite, the next one. Blessed are the pure... Okay, number six. Six, put your fingers like that, okay? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. (laughs) Okay? You preserve the six there. And number seven, blessed are the... Peacemakers. Okay, that's the sign for peace. For they shall be called the children of God. That's all the children of God coming together. The five and the two coming together. Uh, and, and then the last one, eight. Eight, five, and three. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of God. There's the crown coming again, the kingdom of heaven. You got that? (laughs) Let's do it one more time. We'll turn off the screen. We'll blank the screen there. And we'll see if the minister can do it. (laughs) Okay. I've actually got them written down here, so (laughs) I'm cheating. (laughs) I'm going to try not to look. Okay, number one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Number two, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Number three, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the king, uh, they shall inherit the earth. Okay, number four, four is, I'm looking, oh yes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Okay, number five. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Number six. Oh, six is like this. This is the one. This is my favorite, okay? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And number eight, blessed are are those who are persecuted. Okay, they're squeezed for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that great? Even I could memorize it. (laughs) You may be seated. We're going to... If you're at home, we're going to sing a song. If we're here in the church, we're going to be reminded of a song that's also a way of memorizing Scripture. It's uh, the song, Beloved, Let Us Love One Another.
1: i for seven and eight. Okay.
0: what First John 4, 7 and 8 is, as we turn to reflect on God's Word, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to sit at your feet. This posture of sitting is not comfortable for us. We have been taught to be independent and to seek independence. But, Lord, your desire is that we depend on you. Lord, help us to do that now. Come, Holy Spirit, inspire my words. But more than that, inspire the words that we have heard from your word to us in our hearts. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we come this morning to the beginning section of the Sermon on the Mount, this section that's known as the Beatitudes. When we hear the words, blessed are the... most of us think immediately of Jesus' teaching here in the Beatitudes. For us, these words, blessed are the are uniquely attributed to Jesus. But for Jesus' first hearers, it turns out that this way of speaking in Beatitudes was not so unique. Beatitudes were part of the wisdom tradition that we find in the Old Testament and elsewhere in ancient Hebrew culture. Think of Psalm 1. Psalm 32, Psalm 34, 40, 84, and 94, they all have what we would see as a beatitude. Blessed is, or blessed are, blessed is the one. That's the same kind of formula that we see Jesus using here. But a document was found amongst the Dead Sea Scrolls that is even closer in form to what Jesus was teaching here in the Beatitudes. Can we have the slide up, please? Here is a picture of one of the fragments from that document in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's just part of it. And when they put together all the fragments, we get this this document with the snappy title of 4Q-525. That's just a way of numbering all these bits and pieces that they found in the Dead Sea um, caves. This fragment's been dated to at least 50 years before Jesus lived. In this document that we have from the Dead Sea Scrolls, like the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, there are nine statements, and all those statements in... 4Q 525 begin with blessed are or blessed is. And the ninth beatitude there is longer than the rest, just as Jesus' ninth statement is in Matthew chapter 5. There's also another instance of beatitudes in the Apocrypha. That's that bit of the Bible that uh, Catholics use that come between our New Testament and our Old Testament and New Testament. And in that book, it also contains a picture of who is blessed, just like Jesus is doing here in the Beatitudes. Here's the text of, from that book, and the book is called The Wisdom of Bin Sirach. and this is dated from between 200 and 175 before Christ. And it reads like this, with nine thoughts I have gladdened my heart, and a tenth I shall tell with my tongue. A man rejoicing in his children, a man who lives to see the downfall of his foes. Blessed is he who lives with an intelligent wife. That's me, I think. And he who has not made a slip with his tongue, that is definitely not me. And he who has not served a man inferior to himself Blessed is he who has gained good sense and he who speaks to attentive listeners How great is he who has gained wisdom? There is no one superior to him Then Sirach's blessed person is a man most definitely He's a man with a lovely wife. His kids are a delight. They never get into trouble. Ben Sirach's blessed person is on the top of the pile. He never slips up. He doesn't serve his inferiors. He's always the boss. And when Ben Sirak's blessed man speaks, people listen. In contrast, Jesus doesn't distinguish between genders when he speaks of the blessed person here in the Beatitudes. The blessed could be a man or a woman. Jesus' blessed person is at the bottom of the world's heap. He or she is poor. He or she mourns, is meek, and is persecuted. These are all characteristics that the go-getters of this world don't usually envy and certainly don't aspire to. So, although in form what Jesus was doing as he opens his Sermon on the Mount looks a lot like what other teachers of Israel had been doing and were doing at his time, but in content, what Jesus teaches is poles apart from these other teachers and what would have been considered wisdom in his day. Again, as we said last week, it isn't surprising that the crowd went away that day shocked or even panic-stricken after hearing Jesus' teaching. It was nothing like they had ever heard from their own teachers or had ever heard before. The word that starts each of Jesus' nine beatitudes is that Greek word makourios. Most Bibles translate that word blessed. But seeing as blessed is not a word we go around saying much these days. Some more up-to-date translations, like the Good News Bible, that we usually have in our our pews, um, has this word translated as happy. That, however, translating it as happy, however, might lead us astray a bit. Jesus isn't saying that the group of people he describes in these Beatitudes are happy. They're not happy in the sense that they are completely at ease with their situations or that they go around being persecuted and mourning with wide grins on their faces. That is not what Jesus is saying. But what Jesus means here is that these people, because of their circumstances and their attitudes to life, are in a place to be more likely to receive the kingdom of God. Of God, which has come through the advent of Jesus. But from another perspective, however, translating that word Makurios as happy does highlight something important about what Jesus is doing here. By telling us that these folks are persecuted, mournful, hungry, thirsty, and poor, yet are happy. Jesus emphasizes the irony of the situation. If nothing else, the kingdom of God is ironic. The kingdom that Jesus brings is an upside-down kingdom compared to the world as we know it. And that's a very, very important point. Like we said last week, those who are at home in the kingdom of heaven are often greatly at odds with the present age and in our present world. The kingdom that Jesus proclaims and inaugurates collides with the way life is often presently lived and the way the kingdoms of this world are governed. There's a certain parallel structure to the Beatitudes that is important that we notice and we have the next slide. There we go. On the one side of this chart, of this parallel, there is the description of those who are blessed. And on the other, there is a corresponding state in the kingdom of heaven that they will receive. You see that? The poor in spirit will receive the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn will be comforted, and so on and so forth. Now scholars disagree about how many beatitudes there are. I side with those who say that there are eight. And the ninth, blessed are you because you are persecuted in verse 11, is just an amplification of the eighth, which is blessed are the persecuted. Okay. The first and the eight beatitudes have the kingdom of heaven as that corresponding state and so this this passage and those two kingdoms of heaven serve as a kind of envelope stating the list uh, starting the list off and ending it for emphasis in fancy academic language we would call that an inclusio jesus is emphasizing That this, all of this, all of this corresponding state is all about the kingdom of heaven that he has come to bring us. John Stott, in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, points out that Jesus in the Beatitudes is not saying that in the kingdom there are some people who are peacemakers, And yet others who are poor in spirit, and yet others who are meek. And you might be one, but you might not be one of the others. That might be your gifting to be poor in spirit, but not meek. John Stott says that that is not the case. No, what Jesus is saying is that all of these characteristics are what will make up the community of all of God's people in the kingdom of heaven. These are the characteristics for all of us to follow and to aspire to. We all should want to be poor in spirit. We should be those who mourn, and so on and so forth. Now, this morning, because of this long introduction to the Beatitudes, We're not going to have time to do more than just one look at, more than just one beatitude. So let's, and we'll leave the rest to next week. Hopefully I'll get through them all, but it might, we might have to expand the time. Jesus' first beatitude is, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven compare this with Luke's version of the beatitudes that we spoke of last week Luke also has the beatitudes in his gospel and Luke writes blessed are the poor for blessed are you who are poor for yours is a kingdom of God what's the difference there well one glaring difference is that Luke has poor whereas Matthew has poor in spirit And my question is, do the two gospel writers have Jesus saying two different things here? Are the poor and the poor in spirit, different people, different categories of people? Both gospels have the same word for poor. In the Greek language, that is the word patoklos. And it means the materially poor. But Matthew adds these words in spirit, poor in spirit. And notice that this is not a small, this is a small s, not a big s. So Jesus isn't isn't saying, blessed are those who have a deficit of the spirit of God, a big S. He's speaking of our human spirits. And I think what Jesus is referring to here are people who have a sober lack of confidence. In their own ability people who have a sober lack of confidence in their own ability and this makes me recall that man in the gospel of Mark whose son was possessed by an unclean spirit you remember that story and the disciples try to drive the spirit out but they're not able to And for years, this child has been throwing himself into fires and trying to harm himself. And finally, the man meets Jesus, and he cries out in desperation, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That man's attitude, I believe, was a prime example of being poor in the spirit. The person who is poor in spirit is someone who knows that he or she can't do this thing called life on their own. The poor in spirit are those who are desperate for help. Now, although Peterson's message translation is a paraphrase, I like how Peterson translates this verse here. There it is on the on the screen Peterson says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less of you there is more of God and of God's rule the N.E.B. the New English Bible which is a more direct translation has a more concise uh, translation that is akin to what Peterson is saying and it says Blessed are those who know their need for God. That's the translation I memorized when I was a child. I think that sums up Matthew's meaning here well. But let's go back to the comparison between Matthew and Luke. Do you think the two gospel writers are contradicting one another here? do they have Jesus saying two opposing things in their account of Jesus' beatitude? I don't think so, and here's why. In the Old Testament, God had a special place for the materially poor. God is the God who loves justice after all. He's on the side of the poor, and he wants them to be done right by But the God of the Old Testament we see in various passages there especially delights in the materially poor who are willing to trust him. The materially poor who are willing to come to him and throw themselves on his care. It's a fact that those who are materially poor are often much more likely to also turn to God for help. The rich, on the other hand, are more likely to believe that through their own resources and through their own ingenuity, they can put the worlds to rights. I like that verse in Wesley's hymn, that hymn, O for a Thousand, Tongues to Sing, that says, he speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice, The humble poor believe. The humble poor believe. It's the humble poor. Those who deep in their spirits know their need for God. And I believe that Jesus is speaking about both in Matthew's and Luke's version of this beatitude. In this first beatitude, blessed are those who know their need for God. We have the gospel of God's grace firmly established right from the outset of Jesus' sermon on the mount. And it will be worth coming back to this beatitude over and over as we go through the rest of Jesus' teaching recounted for us by Matthew You see, the temptation with the Sermon on the Mount that many have fallen into is to think that Jesus is giving us here a new set of laws to replace the old Mosaic law. And that is certainly not the case. And so we need to constantly come back to the first beatitude and say to God, God, I hear what you're saying here. I see these ethics in the Sermon on the Mount, but I am poor of spirit, and I need you. I need you to fulfill anything that you command me to do. The gospel truth that we find in this first beatitude is that we cannot Fulfill either the law of Moses or even these new ethical teachings of Jesus on our own. We need God as our savior to help us and to constantly forgive us when we get our behavior and our attitudes wrong. The gospel message is that we are accepted into the kingdom of heaven by grace as a free gift from God. Our good works and our emerging character that Jesus encourages here in the Sermon on the Mount come as a consequence and as an outflowing of God's grace working in us by his Spirit as he transforms our hearts. It's not something we do on our own. So, at the outset, as we begin to listen to Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, let's acknowledge to ourselves and to God that we need Him. We need Him as we become people fit for His kingdom. Let's say to God and to ourselves, I am poor of spirit. We need his help to follow what he will teach us and what he is teaching us. Let's say that to God and to ourselves as we listen to our next hymn. I'd like to pray for Caroline and for Tracy. Lord, thank you for the unseen and often un appreciated systems that help your church function safely and fairly. Thank you for our safeguarding service, and thank you for Caroline. Thank you for having called her to this special work, and thank you for using her over the years to help develop and oversee safeguarding in our denomination, in our presbyterian, here in our church. We pray your blessing on her as she seeks your guidance for what is next. Lord, we also thank you for Tracy who has stepped forward to take up this important role. And we ask you, Lord, to equip her. Give her the wisdom she needs. And give her our cooperation as well. Help us to cooperate, to keep people safe. May Tracy and her whole family be blessed as she helps to keep folks in the care of our church, safe and safeguarded. Amen. We're still not able to take up an offering in the church. I don't know when that will be possible again. But giving is still very much part of what we do in our worship. And of course, worship is not just what we do here in the church building. It is what we as followers of Jesus Jesus do with our whole lives. Thank you folks for still giving to support the work of our church, even if it's not in the offering plate. In acknowledgement... Of the place of giving as part of our discipleship. Let's dedicate our offerings. Lord God, for all your gifts to us. We are truly grateful. And for the opportunities that we have of giving. We also give you thanks. Help us always to see what we do and give is a response to your overwhelming grace and mercy towards us. Let God take all that we do and give and bless it for your kingdom's sake, we pray. and We turn now to offer our prayers for the world and for ourselves. Lord God, we pray for a world that needs you and your intervention today. We pray for people in areas of the world that have been struck by natural disasters and today we pray specifically for the country and the people of the Democratic Republic of Congo, reeling as they are from the after effects of a volcanic eruption. along with the workers from Tear Fund working there on the ground. We pray for protection from diseases like cholera. We pray for those who have lost their homes and livelihoods. And we pray for teams of people who are working on the ground in the Democratic Republic of Congo as they respond to the situation there. We also pray for people in our own communities facing disasters, disasters that we in this society don't often see. Disasters like family breakdown, domestic abuse, unemployment, financial difficulties, and mental health issues. Lord God, we ask you to give us eyes to see the needs around us. Not because we are nosy, but because we want to help in your name. And Lord, teach us sensitivity as we draw close to friends and family in need. Help us to be sensitive both to how people feel, but also sensitive to what your spirit is prompting us to do and say. And in the silence now, we hold one or two friends or family members before you. And we ask you to speak to us for them. Lord, your servants are listening. Finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves. Overwhelm us with a sense of our spiritual need. Help us to recognize our true spiritual condition of pride and self-sufficiency. Make us broken over our need to cast ourselves upon your mercy and to learn from you. Heavenly Father, give us the humility not to be impressed with ourselves and our accomplishments. Lord, may you increase in us. We pray more of you, God, and none of me. And we pray it and all these prayers in the name of our one Savior and Lord. Even Jesus Christ. Amen.